Father, we just want to thank you again for this privilege we have to study your word this evening. As we commit it into your hand, we trust you, God of mercy, that you will teach us by your spirit and that you will help us to understand what you are teaching us tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we are still doing our prayer first. In this period, we are beginning to focus on prayers. So our teaching is going to be on prayers, the things we need to know so that we can pray more effectively. So last week, we started uh, this teaching on prayers by reminding ourselves some very important truths we need to know about prayer so we can pray successfully. It is to be regretted that a lot of people do not see answers to their prayers. And that is why they keep moving all around looking for somebody they believe who can do it better than them. But prayer is talking to God to make your request known to him. Singing, worshiping, thanksgiving. We pray within the confines of God's will. This is important. The will of God is revealed in scriptures. God does everything according to the counsel of his will. So if you pray outside the will of God, God will not do it. There's no, nothing will make God violate his will. Because even we human beings are not supposed to disobey God's will. <clears throat> so God will not disobey himself. Then we say the basis of confidence in approaching God is the blood of Jesus, which is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, this is very important because a lot of time people do not really expect answers to their prayer. They think prayer is, you know, let me put it out there. Uh, if it works fine, if it does, you know, it's like gambling to them. Prayer is not gambling. Prayer is not, if we put it on the, on the platform of gambling, God will not participate in that. Because even decent human beings do not always put things like that in, as a gambling situation. So, it's, to them, it's like trial and error. Because they don't know the basis on which they'll be confident that God will answer their prayer. And so, it's important that you understand that. In Isaiah 43, 25, it says, I, even I, am he that blotted out thy transgressions. For my own sake, I will not remember thy sins. So the provision God made for us to come in was made by God, but for his own sake. He didn't do it because you are good, you are wonderful. No, we must understand that. So you are not going to be accepted by God on your own terms, on your own righteousness, because the blotting out of your sin was not for your own sake. It was his own sake, for his own sake that he did it. So we need to understand that so that when we come to God, we trust what God has done to blot out our sin, to make us come to him, to make us acceptable, make us righteous before his sight. So we need to understand this very well. Otherwise, we will not be confident in prayer. We will not be. We will not be. We need to be solid on this ground. Very, very solid. 
So Christ is the high priest of the church, just as the high priest of the Old Testament was the high priest of Israel at the time. And then we said in that teaching that when the high priest sacrificed, finished with his sacrifice, then the Israel can go into the sanctuary. But before then, the Bible says nobody entered that sanctuary. That sanctuary was empty. Nobody. If you enter there, you are dead. Nobody went in there to worship, to pray. Nobody could accept. I says God, once that one year expires, the f- nobody goes in. The Bible says nobody goes into the, into the, into the uh, uh, temple. Nobody. Why? They don't have access. Until the high priest, only him, goes once a year to do that sacrifice. And he sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat, representing the seat of God. And then in the New Testament, the language that corresponds to that is the throne of grace. What made it the mercy seat was the blood that was shed because he says, I'm doing this for my own sake, not because of you. You didn't do anything for me to shed this blood. I did it for my own sake. And I will not remember that sins anymore. But a lot of people think, oh, I have to do this for God to accept me. You are on the wrong grounds. You are checking Jesus out. You are checking Jesus out. And you can't go. He is the way. You can't go except through him. So now in the church, when Jesus came, that service of the high priest was what he really, really did. He took his blood to heaven in the altar not made with hands. On your behalf, on my behalf. And that blood was brought to the altar. Like the high priest did his own. And then when Jesus did that, then we that put our faith in him have access to God 24-7. The Old Testament high priest was one year. But the New Testament high priest is forever. The Bible says, for he ever lived to make intercession for us. His blood speaks. It's not like the blood of animals. The blood is speaking mercy for you. And that's why his mercy will never depart from us. And so we can go with that confidence that our high priest has put the blood on the altar. The Bible said, God said, I gave you this blood to put on the altar for, to atone for your sins. Remember, he says, I, even, I, am, I'm, even, I am he that blotted out their transgressions for my own sake, not because of you. All this arrangement is what God did. Behold the lamb of God, not the lamb you brought. Behold the lamb that God brought. So when that lamb of God was sacrificed, he took his blood to the altar. So we cannot go who trust in him, knowing that that blood has washed away our sins. So the scripture makes it clear. If you don't, if you are not grounded on the basis on which you approach God, you either go on the wrong basis because the devil will try to deceive you to think that you have done this enough. So God, that's, that is why God will do this. And they, it, because he looks reasonable and he looks religious. So you think it's because of all this you've done. That's what, No, it's not because of that. He said, for my own sake, I blotted out your sin. Without the shedding of that blood, there is no, forgive, there is no remission of sin. We must trust Christ from the beginning to the end in approaching God. So we, we summarize it here and say, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. 
Don't ever go because of anything. Again, Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he that blotted out thy transgressions. I did it for my own sake. Not because of anything else. I brought my own lamb, sacrificed him. He brought it before me. Everything done by me for my own sake because I love you. Now, it's so important that we have a paradigm shift when we are going to God because, like I said, it's something we've been practicing for years. We need to, we need to be transformed by the ring of our mind and put your faith strictly on Jesus. That's why you go in his name anyway. So uh, Hebrew 4, 14, 16, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confessions. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, therefore means because of the foregoing, the cause of the foregoing, because of our high priest who has entered heaven, because of the foregoing, he says, he says, yeah, for, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, come boldly because of the high priest, because of the present day ministry of Christ is, he is there as God's high priest over the church for you and for me. That's what he's doing right now. Right now. After the other Melchizedek. So come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Why? Jesus, God said, I'm doing it for my own sake. It's out of mercy I'm doing it. You didn't, you didn't do anything to merit this. I'm just doing it for my own sake. Obtain mercy. Why? Because the blood is speaking mercy. So God his mercy will never depart from us because the blood is pleading mercy. It's interceding continuously. Unlike the blood of an animal. After one year, that was the end. No, but the blood of Jesus. The Bible says he ever lived, lived to make intercession for us. So that anybody who comes through him is accepted. It might be a little bit difficult for people who have been educated in religion to begin to add something to that. But when you add something to that, it's no more the word of God. Said, for my own sake, I did this. My own sake. He says, so we can come body to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So what, what you are coming to obtain from God is mercy and grace. Mercy. You don't get what you deserve. If grace is what you don't deserve. Mercy doesn't give you what you deserve. If you do something to me and I show you mercy, it means I'm not going to punish you. But grace gives you what you don't even deserve. Why? It says, I, even I am he that blotted out that transgression for my own sake. So I sacrificed the blood of my son. And because of that blood that speaks, I'm offering you mercy and I'm offering you grace. It takes humility to accept grace. It takes humility to say to God, 
truly, I bring nothing to this table. Remember, the man that went to pray in the temple was giving God his resume. Jesus said, God didn't look at him. But the one that came and said, I want mercy, God said, Jesus said, that's the one that God looked at. Because what you get at the throne of grace is mercy and grace. Not reward for anything. Mercy and grace. You don't, get, you don't come there and they say, oh, he's a bishop. Oh, he's a senior pastor. Oh, he's a... No. <laughs> Mercy and grace is available to all who come trusting in the blood of Jesus that was shed for them. Hebrews 10, 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can come, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. This is Hebrews 10, 19. Oh, I read it before. Yeah. So I'm going to move on. So we were just reminding ourselves of what we said last time so that you, you, you premise your prayer on Scripture and what God has said to do. Don't add to it. Don't remove. Don't create religion. God's not interested in that. Religion is human thinking of how he thinks he can deal with God on human terms. No, Christianity is dealing with God on God terms. So he tells you how you do it and why he's offering you this for my own sake, not your own sake. Now, let's talk about something that is not really very, very popular in the Christian world because when we talk of prayer, we always focus on how to get the personal needs made, which is important. But I think we should discuss some things that are also um, connected that will help us even get our personal needs made easily. Because the scripture says, seek you faith, the kingdom of God, and its righteousness. Then every other thing shall be added. But we spend a lot of time on the things that should be added and not follow divine instruction. So let's look at God's primary will for every Christian. I would say that we ask within the confines of God's will. Primary will for every Christian. And if that is God's primary will for me and for you, that needs to be priority in my prayer list if I'm interested in seeking his kingdom first. The primary will of God for every Christian is to be like Jesus. The primary will of God for every Christian is to reflect the image of Christ, is to have Christ manifest his glory through them as mere vessels. Romans 8.29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined, predestined. He, he knew those who would come to Christ and he has determined, predestined, that this is their destiny. This is what he wants them to end up being. Predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Let me read it in TPT. It says, in verse 29, TPT says, For he knew all about us before we were born. And he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters. 
who will become just like him. So God's goal for every Christian is to conform to the image of Christ. Now, it's not a very popular teaching. But what we get is a lot of uh, teaching on, again, religion, pushing people to try to be holy and try to do this and try to do that and try to do that. And they do not understand that the scripture says you can't do it. Without Christ, you can't do it. Without faith, you can't please God, you can't do it. Without trust in Christ, you can't do it. So there's a lot of failures. And when these failures continued, it's hidden under the carpet, and then we present a facade, generally. No. Ephesians 4.13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's why it gave us pastors, evangelists, everything that God gave us in the church is to fulfill this will till we come to the fullness of the stature of Christ. That's, that's the primary work of everybody. He said, that's why he gave out pastors, evangelists, apostles, prophets, whatever. All of them. And we come to understand the unity of faith, which means this, the, the, it's not unity of, you know, church government. No, no, no. Unity of faith is that we begin to recognize who we are in Christ and recognize that we are one in him, that we are united, with, we are united together in Christ, that we his body. We begin to believe that but Reuben is connected to me, and I'm connected to him in Christ. We come into the unity of faith, unity of faith, not unity of administration. It's not that every church will be administered the same way, no. Unity of faith. We believe the gospel that teaches us that we are one in Christ. And then in, 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 in true, true understanding, the knowledge of the Son of God, we come to be the perfect man he wants us to be. What is that perfect man? To the, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That Christ be fully formed in us. We have Christ in us. We have his image in us. We have his spirit in us. But our outward manifestation needs to be worked on so that the, the reality of what we have inside will be what we are outside. And you could see that in the desire of Paul, Galatians 4.19, my little children, of whom I travel in birth, again until Christ be formed in you. He knows that this is God's primary will for every Christian. Every, every pastor, every Sunday school teacher, every life center leader, every leader in the family must understand that this is God's primary will for himself and for the people under his influence and should also be involved in traveling prayer for them, that this happens in their lives. We don't pray those, those kind of prayers. We don't. So in this time of, of um, prayer first, by the grace of God, we need to refocus us and bring us to God's program, 
it, it looks like if I'm pursuing God's program, what about my personal? God said, look, seek my kingdom first. I will add this one to it. Seek this one first. Then I'll add this one to it. So it's time for us to focus on God's number one will for you and for me. And if Paul had to pray, and I, I don't have the time, but I've read other scriptures where Paul was teaching and showing that his, his passion was for the Christian to be like Jesus. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. So I've begotten you in the gospel. I'm your father in the gospel. He said, but follow me because I'm following Jesus. I'm like him. He said, imitate me. See what I'm doing. I'm following Christ to be like him. To know Christ. To be like him. To conform to his death. That was his passion in life. Not to be seen as anointed man and crowd following him. No, no. It was to, to, to conform to the death, the completedness of Christ. So if I was praying about it, shouldn't we as individuals also, also pray for ourselves about it? Shouldn't we pray for, if you are leading uh, Sunday school, shouldn't we also be praying for the people you teach? Shouldn't you be praying for your family members? Shouldn't that be a primary prayer topic? If God says, this is my, what I predestined for all of you, shouldn't that be a primary prayer topic for Christians today? Galatians 6.15, it doesn't matter when we have been, whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. He said, this is what counts. Every other thing doesn't matter. This is what counts. Why? Because that's God's program for every Christian. What counts is that whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. All who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. What principle? That what matters most is to be transformed into the new creation, into the new image, into the new life of Christ we have. He said, this is the principle of God's new people. This is the principle they live by. Philippians 1.11, you will see the prayer that Paul prays when he talks about traveling. We can see, he says, okay, but first of all, let me read the uh, First Corinthians 4.7. For who make it thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why does thou boast glory as if thou didst not receive it? So he's saying, only God can make this happen. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Only God. You can't transform yourself. He said, who make it to be different from another? So that's why when we're pumping people, of, you know, people with what they have to do, they do. In the Old Testament, it was that. The law was given. No faith. Do it. But they all, everybody failed. 
In the New Testament, it's about faith. Grace was given. The work of grace was given. By faith, you receive it and benefit from it. That's why without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't. You can't assess the work of grace that pleases God. The work that Jesus accomplished for you. Two key words every Christian must be familiar with and study. Grace and faith. Grace and faith. Jesus brought us grace and truth. Yes, he came and fulfilled all the works he did for us for the work of grace. And the testimony of the Holy Spirit about that work of grace is called the truth. Who make it to differ from another? Is it not God? And it's God because it is through Christ he gave us new life. Through Christ he crucified the old man. It's God. And it's still through Christ that this new life manifests because he's divine and we're just the branch. A branch can't make himself look like the vine. There's the vine supplying the everything and then the food is produced. So it calls for prayer. You cannot, you cannot conform to Christ just by studying Bible. You can't stand on one leg. Prayer is critical. But what kind of prayer? Philippians 1.11 now you can see the kind of prayer that when Paul said, I travel, you can see what he was praying with all his heart for. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Do you see where this man's heart was? May you always be filled with the fruit of salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, not by you, divine. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. It's not people saying, Pastor is such a good man. <laughs> when God knows that what I'm showing off is outward show of worship. Prayer is needed in this direction. So let's see some prayers that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.16. He said, I cease not to give thanks for you. Making mention of you in prayer. Remember, he said, I travel. Now we're looking at what he was really doing on his knees. Cease not to give thanks for you. Making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Why? Because we are transformed by renewing our mind. As we come to know Christ more and more, we are transformed. Beholding him, the spirit of God transforms us to him. You don't behold him when you are ignorant of him. Jesus is the focus of every Christian. If you take your eyes off Jesus, the devil has you where he wants you. Let me say that again. 
If you ever take your eyes off of Jesus, forget about spiritual, but you are, you are finished. The devil has exactly what he wants you. Because what you are looking at is not the author and finisher of your faith. What you are looking at will not help you. Your help is not coming from there. In the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, why he called you. That's what we are talking about. That God will reveal to you God's purpose for calling you, bringing you into Christ. So you'll be conformed to his image. Otherwise, you think that you're a Christian just to come and bring, you know, fight the devil and then, you know, get a new car, you know, buy houses, all these things that are in here. Quit is good. I'm not knocking that. It's wonderful. We should pray for them. But that's not the primary reason God called you. Jesus said, don't follow me for things that perish. Say, if you want to follow me, follow me for things that lead to eternal life. Because this thing starts from here and goes beyond the grave. Something that lasts beyond this world. A life that lasts. He said, if you walk righteousness, it leads you to eternal life. So that your soul is preserved in this last days, iniquity is abounding. And, and even churches are teaching error, tolerating iniquity, all in the name of let's love them. How can you love them? Paul wrote to Corinthians. He said, the man that took the father's wife, kick him out. He didn't say, oh, let's love him. You know, God is love. <laughs> love him. The, the leader didn't do anything. Paul said, you got to do that. This thing will corrupt the whole church. We, as a pastor, I can neglect, but God is not going to neglect it. God will not neglect it. God will call it out. If you are here Sunday, you hear our, this LJ ministers. God was using this, 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 this ministers. I was, man, it was amazing. God will call it out. Paul said, Kick him out. Let him land. So, so his soul is not destroyed. So his spirit is not destroyed with the world. You need to get that man. Don't let him ruin his life. Oh, but this day, oh, you know, we love them. God is love. They will land. Just let them become. No, 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 no. There is a time for public rebuke of the church. There is a time for individual rebuke of the church. I was telling my wife, he said, I've forgotten what my wife said to me. He said, he should have said, forgotten, so that, you know, we look nice, <laughs> so the child looks nice, it's good for evangelists. I said, no, read the Bible. I said, the Holy Spirit does not flatter. It's a spirit of truth. He said, he wrote to the Bible, wrote to the child, he said, you adulterers and fornicators. I said, read it, and it's not only you two, but he, read, he wrote it for eternity. People read it all the time. He said, you adulterers. That's what James wrote. Call them out. Paul called them out in Corinthians. He said, the fornication among you has not been the sin among hiddens. You are even worse than hiddens. Written for the whole world to read. This one is not YouTube. This is the whole world. If you buy Bible, you see, you see what was happening in the church. And the Holy Spirit was calling it out. The Holy Spirit does not flatter. It's a spirit of truth. It doesn't flatter. 
He bears witness to the truth. If it's red, he said, this is red. I said, I, I haven't even preached like John the Baptist. Say, you sons of vipers, who want you to escape to hell? Jesus taught, so that your soul is preserved in this last days, in which the devil is, is pampering people to destruction, then churches have lost their, their courage to stand up and say, this is evil. This is evil. The Bible says, whoever God loves, he chastises. That's why these things are important these days. Because if you don't pray this prayer, this thing can sweep you away. It's like a flood. It's like a big iniquity, flood of iniquity. The eyes of your understanding mean enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, why he called you, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints are, and what is the exceeding greatness of the power in us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Colossians 1.9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. What were you praying for? You ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will. So you understand what that he called, this is number one on his will, is to conform to the image of See, if you know that, at least you start pursuing it now. Not, you know, as long as people think you are good. Yeah. No, 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 that, that's not, that isn't called you to, for people to say you are good. He said, if your light shines, they will glorify your Father. I've had testimonies. People say, there's, there's something working in this person. They recognize Jesus. That is Christ. That is Jesus. So we have not stopped praying for you. So we don't stop praying this prayer. Again, for me and for yourself, for your family, you can't stop. There's a flood of iniquity in these last days. You cannot stop. A lot of people have backslidden in their heart. They just, they just come to church and go. There is no more hunger. There's no more enthusiasm. There is no more, you know, to, to go higher in the things of God. They are not running on neutral. We give you spiritual, so we have not stopped praying for you since we have first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then when you receive these things from God, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow 
Listen to this. As you learn to know God better and better, as you know Christ more and more, you will grow. If the emphasis is not Jesus, carry your Bible and go. 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. You see how these things work? It's through his power. Christ divine producing this thing through his power. Not you know, Christian must be holy, go and be holy. No, no, no. no, no. It's through his power. You, you look unto Jesus. You run to Christ. You say, I cannot. But you can. You know, everything God told us to do as a Christian is beyond us. But it's what Christ can do. Be ye holy, it's beyond you. You can't. But who makes you to be different? It's pointing you to Christ. It's the one who produces this life through you. Because he's divine. And may you be filled with joy. So why we must take a look at our lives in this season? This is why. A song, songs, songs of Solomon, I think it's Songs of Solomon 2.15. Catch the foxes for us, so. the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. Our vineyard is now in bloom. He said, if you don't catch these things, these things that are not Christ-like, they will spoil your life. It's like having maggot in a beautiful uh, apple. They will spoil your life. I mean, because this is not really now, we should be really looking at this thing. Because if we don't, it's a catchy tool. These little foxes, they could spoil the vineyard. The, the thing is in bloom, but they will ruin it. If, 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 if I'm prone to anger, it's a little fox. It's maggot. If I'm prone to lying, it should bother me. It's not Christ. It's not his character. If I'm prone to, it should bother me. Because those are the things the Bible is saying. But because we don't, we, we haven't come to understand the perfect will of God for us. So as long as people, we, people think we are good Christians, by other things we do, we are fine. But the Bible says, catch those foxes so. Those little foxes so. They spoil the vine. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Life of faith. See, the life we live is life of faith. Life of faith. That's why Christians must understand grace and faith. It's life of faith. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. It slows you down. It, weighs, it makes your spirit weak. Lying weakens you. 
anger weakish. All those things weaken us. Say, who said that? Bible. Let us sleep every weight that slows us down. So when, when battles come, well, I sense them. We rise up and do the normal things we do. So there's no much power generated. The weight that slows us down. Can you imagine running the rest of life with weight? I mean, if, if you are running a race and they put weight on you, will you, will you run? Then the Holy Spirit said, these things slow you down. They are like weight. But we, we don't bother about them because people don't bother about, you know, it's like we have made, we have, made the, we have, we have a conference with them. I have agreed you can stay. It's fine. I'm born again. So you can stay, that's fine. But the Bible said, no, they can't stay. Because the will of God is for Christ to be formed in. Especially the sin that so easily trip us up. It not only slows me down, but it makes me fall. The word of God is true. If the fruit of God says, this thing makes you fall, this thing trips you off, then that's true. I should be bothered about it. I should really, really get on my knees. And let us run with patience and with endurance the race God has set before us. Second Corinthians 7.1. Because we have these promises that God gave us, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us walk towards complete holiness because we fear God. This is the goal. We have promises of God, but we want them to walk. But these things that, that make you weak may not allow you to be able to experience them because they open the door to the enemy of, of our soul. Because we have these promises. The scripture said, he said, oh, that anger gives food to the devil. Of course, that's true. So if I've given food to the devil, why, is he not, why, why can't he be hindering the promises? Why? And the Bible said, because of these promises, check these things out. Close those doors. Oh, no. Oh, we have 40, 40, 30 days fasting, 50 days fasting, 70 days fasting. It's wonderful. But check out these things. First, Romans 13, 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is fast spent and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of life. Cause for prayer. Every work of darkness, the Spirit of God said, I should cast it off. I shouldn't put it off. Was a spoiling things for me. Words of darkness will blind you. If you are walking in darkness, you blind you to spiritual truth. You read Bible, you sleep off. No revelation. You come to church, you are walking out. 
you don't know where you are. You don't even understand the presence of who is here. Ephesians 5.11. And have no fellowship with unfruitful work of darkness. All those things are unfruitful. They are not useful. But rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Then our testimony of Jesus can be tainted by these. I remember in my village, two churches, a church fought from their church and fought from the church to the market. They were fighting from their church. They fought outside two groups and they were fighting until they came to the central market. They were throwing jitter at each other. And real truth. Romans 2.22. Thou has said, thou that said a man should not commit adultery, a man should not lie. Christians don't lie. Christians don't do this. We that preach it, does thou commit adultery? Do you do those things? Thou that abhorred idols, does thou commit sacrilege? 23. Thou that makest thy boast of the law, or make thy boast of I'm born again, I'm, I'm, I'm baptizing the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. He says, Thou that maketh the boast of the law, through break, he said, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. Does, does my life dishonor God? Does it really dishonor God? Does it bother me? Does it really bother me that I am dishonoring God? I'm not respectful of God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. In my place of work, does my life blaspheme Jesus? Does it, what does it do to the name of Jesus? Does it bother me? Does it really bother me? First John 1 says, says that your fellowship with God will be affected. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. Do not, do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. This blood of Jesus Christ, his son, present us from all sin. So we need to really understand that the standard of God is to be confronted in major son and walk towards that and have it as a goal, and then we need to really begin to walk and pray, sincerely pray. Seek God. Seek God. Go to God in prayer. Because those things are spoiling the, 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 your, your vine, tripping me up, tripping you up, slowing us down, weakening us. Again, in the world in which we live, can we afford this? world in which iniquity is abounding everywhere. So many things that are preached is not the truth. So how can you discern the truth when you are walking in darkness and you, you can't discern the truth? I, I, had, I think I read it to Nyeka once. A church was in service and they were giving testimonies. People were clapping, wonderful testimonies. They were giving this testimony People were like, wow, and they wonderful, really wonderful testimonies. Their pastor walked in 
knelt down and was praying. And then he got up, he told them to stop all of that. He said, all this is flesh. I still have it in my office. He said, all this you're doing is flesh. You see, when a man that, when a man that, that works in fellowship with God is among you, he makes all the difference. Oh, he makes all the difference. He's God's man right there. He said, all this is flesh. Their pastor told him. He said, what happened? Listen to what happened. When he said that the Spirit of God fell on them, people began to repent and confessing publicly what they were doing. The whole thing changed. They began to confess publicly, right? The same church confessing. Nobody, no, just because somebody spoke by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so powerful. It's so powerful. It's not what we do say is the Holy Spirit. It's, so, it's incredibly powerful. Somebody spoke from this, that had a revelation of the situation and discerned it accurately. And the Spirit of God says, speak it. The response was incredible. The same people who are clapping and wow, they began to weep and confess and hug it and confess what they were doing to this person. The whole church, I have in my office, maybe one day I read it here. Brethren, we need to, we need to really reevaluate what, what are we in pursuit of? Are we satisfied? I will come to church and go. I'm a senior pastor. Is that what satisfies me? Is that okay? The second will of God in prayer is we pray for laborers. We pray for the work of God. Matthew 9, 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his service. Jesus said, this is what I want you to pray about. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So one way to serve the Lord Jesus is by praying for the work of God. So at this prayer first and as we get into January praying and fasting, you should make it num- point number, number one is about, about your life, about the fruit of the spirit in your life. Number two is praying for the work of God. Romans 15, 30. Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Join in this ministry work. Join by your prayer for me. Do this because you love me. Given to you by, because of, because of your love for me, given to you by the Holy Spirit. Be engaged in the work of God by prayer. If you are leading Sunday school, pray, 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 and pray, and pray, and pray. If you are leading Life Center, pray, pray, and pray, and pray. Pray, and pray, and pray, and pray. That's how that work will prosper. You don't just come Sunday morning and they're waiting for your students. But did you pray? No.
to, to the love of God manifests in being interested in the things of God. If you love somebody, one thing you do, you are interested in whatever affects the person. I was saying, as I say, we dress for people who love. If you are going to marry a woman, if it's coming, you dress well, well, put perfume. If she's coming, she will dress well. Why? Because she wants you to see her the best, and then you want to see her, she wants you, you want her to see you the best. Love makes you take interest. You want to please, you want to impress. You don't, it's, 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 it's voluntary action we do. You, don't, you have to, it's voluntary. So if we love Jesus, we've been interested in the things that, that concerns him. Like he said, he said, dress for me now, put on the new man. He said, put on the meek spirit, it's great, I love it, put it on for me. He said, my, my own dressing is not the one you put we are apparently no, but my own is the new, the, the, the hidden man of the heart, putting her on for me, dress for me, if you love me. Philippians 2.19. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. 20. I have no one else like Timothy. Listen to this. Who genuinely cares about your welfare? Do you care about the welfare of people you lead enough to gauge in serious prayer for them before your own, before your own? Do you pray for the welfare of the church? Or your job is criticizing, finding fault? Point one, all the others care only for themselves and not for the, what matters to Jesus Christ. There are things that matter to Christ. Again, we pray God gives show you the will of God, will show you what matters to Christ. And when you get, in, get, get engaged in those things, you become his partner. Then he will anoint you more. He will anoint you more because now you are getting engaged in what he wants. He's looking for who we do. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus. 22. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has sat with me in preaching the gospel. He says, you see, you see, he's my son. You can see that that boy has proved himself. He's my son. Engaging in the things that matter to Christ. It's one way we serve him. It's one way we show our love for him. In our prayer. And God blesses such endeavor tremendously. Hebrews 16. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. See, he's called this labor of love because you did it because you love him. Say, so God will not forget it. You left your own and you are engaging in the things of God, praying for people. Paul said I, I, he said, I pray for those who don't even know me by faith. Why? Because I want them to know what matters is Christ. So that I pray for them morning, afternoon. I travel for them. Those I've never met. So when he says, I'm ready to die for Jesus, I love. He was not saying words. He has proved it by action. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name. 
in that you have ministered to the saints and you still do minister to the saints. That's love for Jesus. God rewards. You see, you see, you see David loved God and David was bothered about the things of God. God said, I'm not unrighteous. I'm not going to forget it. I'll bless you for that. Because then I'll invest in you. Because now you're doing, the thing, you know, you're doing what I want. So I'll invest in you. So you do more. So 1 Chronicles 17, when David was settled in his place, he summoned Nathan the prophet. He said, look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar place. But the ark of the Lord's covenant is out there under a tent. See, you see his concern? He could say, it's okay, let it be there. Nathan replied to David, do whatever you have in mind, for God is with you. But that same night, God said to Nathan, go to verse 7. Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's army has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture, selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. Why? Because this man said, I need to put God first. The, the ark is not where I should go. Why should I be living in a better place than where the ark of God is? Brethren, this is honor. And God says, I, will, I, have, I've, I've been with you, whatever you have. This is what I've done for you. But now, I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people Israel. Do you know anybody who is more famous than David? The state of Israel uses the star of David. He's the star of David. Jesus was called the son of David. Verse 9. And I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Then let me move forward because I have time. Verse, um, verse 10, okay. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will defeat all your enemies. Furthermore, I declare that the Lord will build a house for you. <laughs> Amazing. A dynasty of kings. You want to build a house for me? I'm, David hasn't even built it. He said, God will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and join your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, one of your sons, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for me. And that's Christ. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Did you see how God said, how God began to reward this man? Because he sat in his eyes and said, I'm thinking of the things of God. That's love. That's love. Practical. So it calls for prayer. Second Thessalonians 3.5. May the Lord lead your heart into a full understanding and the expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. This is a prayer we should be praying. May the Lord lead our heart into a full understanding and the expression, expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. Now, successful prayer is based on the word of God. Make your case before God with his word. 
John 15, 7 said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So on condition that you abide in him, trust in him, trust in him, rely on his blood as your basis for approach. And my words abide in you. His word is active and alive in you. He said, then you can ask whatever you will, whatever you will, whatever, and it shall be done unto you. Now let's review this situation. In Isaiah 43, 26, it says, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. God didn't forget. God is saying, bring your word, my word to me so you can be justified. Come, come. I'll, I'll, I'll say, let us review the situation together. And you can present your case to prove your innocence. So when you go, prayer is like, like presenting a case before God. You need to learn that. Prayer is presenting a case, making your case before God. And your case is solid with the word. You say, bring my word, remind me, bring it to me. And make your case. So let's see example. Moses, typical. Exodus started 3.12. One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. But you have told me, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. He said to the Lord, this is what you've been telling me. I'm bringing your word to you. That's what you said. That's what you told me. He said, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me, you have to, you see, he keeps telling God what he said. You have told me, I know you by name and I look favorably on you. He said, you told me, you looked at me favorably. You told me yeah, I should bring your people to the promised land, but you haven't told me who will go with us. Verse 13. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. You see, this Moses knew stuff. He said, I want to know your ways, though, because if I know your ways, I can understand you better and I can work with you better. He wasn't asking for power. He said, I want to know your ways. I want to understand your will. Are you surprised that this man was outstanding with God? You can see where his heart is. You can see where the heart of Paul is. You can see where this people's heart is. Then the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Moses said, no, it's not me. It's not about me. <laughs> then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. He said, I'll go with you, Moses. Moses said, no, it's your people I'm talking about. You go with us. Don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on us and on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Did you see, did you see what Moses was telling God? That what matters is your presence. It's your presence. Seeking your presence. That's what, matter, that's what makes us different. It's not about us. and No, it's your presence with us. You told me to do this. You told me to do this. He was making his case. Your presence, Lord. He said, I want to know you more. I want to understand you. So that I can work better with you. And then he knew, he knew that what, what matters most is not plan he makes. 
people would have, God, God, said, God showed me I'm going there. Then he sits, he sits there and start making plan. How he will go there, I will fail. This man said, I'm not going anywhere. Because you, you, you have to tell me the plan. Who is going with me? And I want to know you. Not just that I'm leader here. No, no, I want to know you. Show me your ways. I need to know you. Number two, your presence is important. That's what distinguishes us. You can read Acts chapter 4, verse 23. You will see where the apostles were praying. If Acts 4, 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, see, watch them. Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, this is what you said. We bring your word to you. Bring it to me. God said, yeah. If you know it, bring it. I want to know that you heard me. Bring it. He said, he said and this is who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the hidden rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of faith truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pantos Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. If they were not studying the Bible, how would they know this? That God spoke through David. Verse 28, for to do whatever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatening soul, grant unto thy servant that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal the signs and wonders may be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaking where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak the word of God with boldness. If it's today, they'll start binding devils. There will be deliverance. This people is demon. They didn't do any of that. They brought the word of God to him. and said, this is what you said will happen. It's happening. Now, we need boldness to go and preach this gospel. Search for your hand and demonstrate your kingdom. The, how many minutes did it take this prayer? The Spirit of God fell on them. And if you read chapter 5, you will see that the Bible said, by the hand of the apostles, God did mighty hands. He said, search for your hand. And God said, you are my body. I'm going to use your hand. So when they stepped out, the Bible said, by the hand of the apostles, God did incredible miracles. Everybody was afraid of them. I said the Holy Spirit is very powerful. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, they do. Then if we look at what our Lord taught us in prayer, our Lord taught us something. He said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. When you pray, don't pray that people will praise you. They are, not, they, are, they are not talking to people. Just pray to God in the language you can understand and the much you know. God is not interested in flowery language. Make your request known unto God, as simple as that. Verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret place. And your father sees, the, sees 
in secret with the world they open. So prayer is not uh, you know, to demonstrate how anointed you are and how connected you are with God. Prayer is talking to God. That's why you should understand what prayer is. Talking to God. The first time I saw vision in my life was when I was marrying my wife. And I went to God. I said, God, I don't even know you. I said, that's a fact. I don't know you. I said, but you started with marriage. I said, so I'm talking to you the, the best I know how. If I know better, I will. But this is all I know. I said, I said, if I make mistake in marriage, I will blame you every day of my life. Because you started it. I said, now, I don't have any woman in my heart. Show me my wife so that I don't make mistake. Like, I, it wasn't long, boom, like television in front of me. I saw my wife sitting with my father. She was tying rapper. They were discussing. I said, what is this? I was looking at her and said, what is this? What? I said, God, if this is you, take it off and bring it back. The thing went off and came back. Simple heart of, I just told him the truth. <laughs> I don't know you. This is all I know. I'm just talking to you. And he knew my heart. And he took it like that. Because he said, I did this thing for my name's sake. You can't impress me on your terms, on your, no. For my name's sake. Those who acknowledge their weak, I helped them. Those who acknowledge that they can't, I helped them. Prayer shouldn't be a place to demonstrate your, your, how, how anointed you are. How, that's what puts God off. Prayer is a place to come and say, it's your mercy and grace we need. And then Jesus said we should forgive people when we pray. Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love the alone. I've read that one. Yeah. Okay. Remember, in Mark chapter 11, 22, uh, Mark chapter 11, 26, he said, but if you do not, so 25, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. There are people who love quarreling. They are in affinity with quarreling. So they will not forgive people. That's up to you. Okay, so this is why I will stop. Uh, not start there by the grace of God. I'll continue along this line. Then uh, I was going to say, uh, we're going to teach on, um, on um, well, I thought my time is over. It's over, right? Okay, we're going to teach on healing. We're going to teach on healing. Teaching on healing. Let me begin to say that the same reason that we don't get prayer answers is the same reason we don't get healed. We don't expect answers when we pray. We really don't. We're not sure. So most people don't really expect answers. And if you don't expect answers, then you will get nothing. I, I ask people, say, do you want a, a baby? Yeah. Which one? I say, hey, God will decide. I say, you get nothing. It's not up to God. It's up to you. They think prayer is up to God. No, prayer is up to you. We, have, we, have, we must have expectation. We must have, if you don't have expect the answer, how will the answer come? First John 5.14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears it us. There has to be confidence you have in Christ, in the word, and have expectation. So when you come to healing, it's the same thing. So one of the main reasons that people don't get healed is because they're not expected to be healed. 
They are not expecting to be healed. Because they think they are not qualified. God said, I'm doing this for my own sake. For my own sake. Because of who I am. I'm love. It's mercy, it's grace. They think they are not qualified. Whoever qualified, do you come to God qualified for anything? Jesus is our qualification. That's why we, we come trusting in the blood. That's why we come in his name. Secondly, many do not expect to be healed because they don't believe it's God's will to heal them. I'm telling you the truth. They don't believe it's God's will to heal them. They believe that God heals, but when it comes to them, they are not sure. And then thirdly, they, have, they want to feel something to know that God is working. Feeling has nothing to do with it. The day you got born again, did you feel anything? And yet God gave you, created you new. Feeling has nothing to do with it. Let me start with God's will to heal us. It is God's will to heal you now. Not even tomorrow. Number one, let's see. Hebrews 10 is 7. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do that will, O God. Jesus said, I came to do that will. Then in John 4, 34, Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So what was he doing? Ask 1038. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. What was the good he was doing? And healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So if, if he said, I came to do that will of God, and he went around healing all, then that's the will of God. It's the will of God to heal you. Heal you. God is no respecter of persons. Even now, the spirit of Christ is in you. The spirit of Christ is with us. He will heal you. Now, don't, don't expect any feeling. No. It's as simple as the day you believed in the Lord Jesus, you just accepted him, you got salvation. Just as simple as that. Matthew 8, verse 1. When he saw, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, that is, if you will, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and taught him, saying, I will. You want to know if it's my will? It's my will. Be thou clean right now. Because it's free. Free. Freely, freely you give him, freely, freely you receive. It's free. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See thou tell, see thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Say, don't tell anybody, because they can talk you out of this healing. People can talk you out of God's blessing. They can. And they do. Keep your mouth shut. He says, Jesus said to him, see thou tell no man. Go to the priest right away. They'll talk you out of it. Tell you, oh, no, it's not. You are not healed. Who told you? Ah, oh, forget about it. No, they will talk you out of it. You can be sure. 
Matthew 8, 16, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirits with, with his word and healed all that were sick. All. His will. If it's not his will, why is he doing this to all? And the seventh thing, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. He's saying that Jesus came, and by this demonstrated, he's the one that came to take away sickness from us, take away infirmities from us. But he fulfilled it on the cross. That's what Isaiah was saying. Number two, healing is your right as a child of God. Hear it now. You don't beg for it. The same way food is the right of your children. When they come back from school, they don't pay for food. Food is ready. It's their right. Healing is your right as a child of God. It's your privilege and right. R-I-G-H-T. Matthew 15, 26. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Jesus said, this is children's food. It's children's bread. How can I give it to you? You are not a Jew. It's children's bread. And we, who are, those who are in Christ are children of Abraham. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scrap that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is really great. You are not giving up. You want it. Again, we should learn this. You don't give up because the symptoms persist. You, you got to fight back. You got to insist that this is true. Even if you are going to see your doctor and you're taking your medicine and you're in hospital, keep insisting. Stay there and be thanking God. Take these scriptures and be blessed. Keep insisting. You are the Lord that healed me. Lord, you are my doctor. You are my healer. You are my healer. If it's only that one, keep saying it there to yourself. Don't say to the nurses will come and say, do you need intervention? No. Say it to yourself. You can even in your heart be saying it to yourself. But put your eyes on Jesus. Because if you take it off Jesus, the devil has you where he wants you. Period. It is the children's food. Children's food is healing. He said, it, 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 metaphor. You know, Jesus used metaphors. So he used food to illustrate that this is your right as much as it is the right of children in the house. Ephesians 4, 13, 15. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So the same family of God in heaven and the family on earth had the same name. We are members of the household of God. Ephesians 2, 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we're family members of the family of God. If healing belongs to the children, then you are a child of God, belongs to you. You eat. Take it. Food is available in the house, but the child has to sit down and eat it. You have to take it. 
and say, yeah, this is mine. And the cyst is yours. You don't give up because the enemy is resisting you back. Because he falls back to his, his intent on not giving up. And your intent on his must give up. You, must, you see, if you are dealing with these things, you must have this attitude that gives them, they know that there's no chance in the world that you are giving up your healing. There is no chance. They will know. They will understand it from your stand that there is no chance at all for you to give, give up, give a niche of your healing. They are giving it up. But if you are shaky, oh, they increase the pressure on you. But you, you turn the table around and put pressure, put your faith pressure on them. Put your faith pressure on it. Let them understand. There's no chance in this world I'm giving up this new. Because it's my position. Hold fast to that. We belong to you. I'm not giving it up. Are you kidding me? You are no longer strangers and foreigners. But fellow citizens with the saints. Members of the household of God. To whom healing is your food. Deliverance is your food. Because the Bible talks of Jesus cast out demons with his word and heal them all. So all freedom is your food. It's your right to be free. If the sun shall set you free, you are free indeed. It's your right to declare your freedom from sin, declare your freedom from the devil. It's your right. Take your stand. Say, no, I'm not under your control. I'm not. I am not. I, you, who born you? I'm not. Jesus is my head. Didn't you read the Bible? Jesus is my head. I'm under the control of the Lord Jesus. He's my Lord. Know what the Lord means? I'm under his control, not under you. You must take your stand and resist them. And they will flee. The word flee is that they run with, with terror. They, they, they run. Number two, healing is your redemptive right. It's part of the redemption that Jesus purchased for you. Galatia 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law. Be made a cause for us, for it is written, cause is everyone that hangeth on the tree. What is the cause of the law? You got to go to Galatians, I mean Deuteronomy to see it. In Deuteronomy 27-26, it's summarized there. Cause is everyone who does not affirm and obey the terms of these instructions. And all the people will reply, Amen. God said, if you don't obey all my laws, you're under a curse. That's why the Bible said, said that those who want to be accepted by God, by the Lord, that they're under his curse. Because they can't obey it all. So anybody who, think, who wants to be accepted to God by obeying the law is under God's curse. Because they are chosen the path that is impossible. But those who want to put their faith in Christ are under his blessing. Because Christ has delivered, paid the price for their cause, has become a cause for them, so they are now free. And under Christ, Christ will begin to manifest his life, produce the fruit of righteousness in their lives. Perhaps a cause is to everyone who wants to, who wants to follow this obedience to the law to the end. Because you can't. So it's a cause is anyone who does not affirm and obey the terms of all these instructions. Nobody ever did. And if you go to Deuteronomy 28, 15, say, but if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God 
and do not obey all the commandments, all and decrees I'm giving you today, all these causes will come and overwhelm you. It's, if you read from verse 15 to Deuteronomy 15, if you go down, you see that these causes are sicknesses there. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's even the sickness that has not been named. He's coming on you. Then he talks about poverty. He talks about uh, spiritual death, separation from God. He says, if, if you marry a wife, somebody will take it from you. Iniquity will overwhelm you. But Jesus Christ, in Galatians 13, Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law. Redeemed us from the cause of sickness. Say the butch of Egypt and every sickness that is not even named here is coming on you. Because you disobey God. But Jesus became a cause for us. He was made sick. People, the Bible said, please God to smite him. And God made him sick. So that cause of sickness, Christ took it. Cause of spiritual death, Christ took it. He said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He was separated from his father. So that you can be drawn near to the father. So you must know that it's the will of God for you to be healed. And it can be yours now. Not tomorrow. The food is on the table. Psalm 23. So he, make, he put the, 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 the food on the table even before my enemies so you can eat. The bread is, is there. So he says, God sent his word which is healing to you. If you can take it and eat the word. It, 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 we read at the last center Isaiah, that beautiful scripture we read in the last center. He said, when you listen to God, it becomes life. And that's what Proverbs 4 said. He said, when you find, when you find the word, it heals you. He said, pay attention so that you can hear the word. Let it get, go in. It's held to all your flesh, all of it. God's medicine is his word. He sends it to us. Jesus is, the same thing Jesus was doing while he was here is what the word is doing right now. Because the word, Christ is the word. Matthew 9. And they brought, they brought him unto him. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tied him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. You know, sometimes the enemy will worsen the symptom to frighten you. Fear. I want you to hear me. Anything you fear will defeat you. Whether it's a human being, animal, sickness, sin. Anything you fear will defeat you. Fear is the opposite of faith. When you exercise faith in Christ, 
you have victory, you will defeat them. But when you as a society oppose it and become fearful, you are defeated already. Let me repeat it. Anything you fear will defeat it. Whether it is human beings so, and that's why people who dominate people, they're always trying to intimidate you to make you afraid. They find a way to make you afraid. And when the enemy wants to defeat you, he will bring you things that will frighten you, will tell you stories, you know that sickness, he killed this way. He's trying to create fear. Fear is not from God. Faith is from God. When you hear God, faith comes. When you hear the devil, fear comes. That's how you know when the devil is talking to you. Fear comes. You have disquiet. You have no, no peace, nothing. But when God speaks to you, faith comes. Peace comes. And it works out righteousness. Let me repeat it again. Anything you fear, if, if you fear sin, he will defeat you. There's not, you are not going out of it. He will defeat you. Because you're not exercising faith that is victory. He will defeat you. That's why it's not all this talking of sin, 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 sin. It magnifies sin and makes sin look, people are so afraid of sin. Why don't we talk about Jesus, 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 and magnify the new life we have, and magnify what he did. He set us free from the power of sin. Why don't we magnify that? And so that faith will come, and we see ourselves reigning in Christ over sin, over this, and we believe that sin has no dominion over you. Why don't you believe that and see it work? So they brought to him, to him, and when he saw him, set where the spirit tied him, and he fell on the ground and swallowed and wallowed foaming to it one. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came on him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, so they said to Jesus, If you can do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, it's not if I can do anything. The problem is not with me. I came to take away sickness. I know my assignment. To deliver those who are in bondage. But will you believe? Will you trust me? Will you believe me? Now, we can't see Jesus, but will you trust my word that I sent to you? Jesus said unto him, if, you, if thou canst believe, then all things are possible unto him that believeth. It. It, it will happen if you believe. If you believe that I'm able. It's not if you can't. No, I'm able. Do you believe I'm able? Do you believe the word of God is true? Which you say there's power in the word. Yeah, do you believe there's power enough in the word? That what God said is true? That that is immutable. It can't change. Situations don't change the word of God. It's unchangeable. That's, it doesn't change. It doesn't change. It remains true no matter what. And if it remains true no matter what, then you can put your life on it. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said, with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Of course. Again, when you seek help, say, I believe, but help me. I need mercy. When Jesus saw that the people 
came running together. He rebuked the fast spirit, said unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, came out of him, and he was as one dead. It's as much as many said he's dead. <laughs> That's why I would have finished. Say, ah, this guy died though. No, didn't die. The devil still was fighting back so that to change what you believe and say, oh my God, he did. Didn't die. These are the things, if it happened in, to Jesus, it happens to us. So, so sometimes the things look so like he's dead. No, he didn't die. He didn't die. You stand your ground. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. But if you walk by sight, that's why you give up. I've said it before. Miracles can stand in, start in your life, but they may not be consummated. You can, you can stop it by your unbelief and what you talk. and You can't stop it. But you start walking by sight. It takes your eyes off of Jesus and onto that thing. You're done. You're done. Just forget it. Proverbs 4.20. My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear unto my saying. Look to my words. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Say, when you find it, keep it before your eyes. Keep it in the midst. Meditate on it day and night. Confess it. Say so. Do what the Bible said. Meditate on it day and night because you can, you can let it slip through. The Bible says if it slips through, how, do you, how can you escape? No, you can't slip through. Keep it in view. Read it to yourself. In the morning, in the evening, if the symptoms passes, increase the number of times you confess it. Confess it more. Say so. You see, when you start confessing the word of God, and meditating as the scripture says, the spirit of God can begin to instruct you what to do. Honestly, it can begin to tell you, stop this one. Stop eating this. Do this one. Not always, but it can begin to give you instruction. Their life unto those who find them. Health to all their flesh. Health. Does God lie? No. So here is the word that God sent us. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely. He didn't say maybe. <laughs> Surely. Our sicknesses. My sicknesses. That's why I confess it. Every day. Every day. This? How every day? No, every day. Every day. Surely. My sicknesses he had borne. And my pains he had carried them. Surely, over men, over and every day, go to it as many other scriptures I have where I wrote it, you know, in my, in my, my book, whatever they call it, <laughs> small distance. I go through it, all, all of it, every day, every day. Surely, my sicknesses he had borne, my pains he has carried them, and we have esteemed them plagued and smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5, and he was pierced for my transgression. I always put this one, was, 
He was pierced for my transgressions, my personally, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace on him, and by his bruise, there is healing for me. I always say so. There is healing for me. Children's bread, the bread is there, it's mine. By his stripes, I've been healed. His bread is my right as a child of God. In the family, it's food for me. Healing is mine. Devil, you can't take it. It's mine. And any symptom is bringing near me, I curse that symptom. I curse it in Jesus' name. I curse it like Jesus cursed the fig tree. I curse, I say this symptom, I curse you in Jesus' name. You are transgressing. In the name of Jesus, I put a curse on you. I snort off life from you. Because you, it's like that you, you are alive. That's what you are trying to do. No, 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 you can't do it. I've been bought with a price. You can't transgress. I resist you. I reject you. You, you are not entering. You want a fight? You got one. Psalm 103 is awesome. Man, you can't miss Psalm 103. Hey, it's amazing. You can't just, it enumerates. It's it's beautiful, people. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his These are your benefits. This is your food. It's your benefit, your right. In Christ, who forgives all my diseases, heals all my diseases, who forgives all my iniquities, heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from destruction, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. I mean, and each thing when I read them, I, I put other scriptures. I say, of the Lord's mercies, I'm not consumed. The mercies of God abounds for me, for the blood of Jesus speaks mercy for me on my behalf, and the blood can fail. That mercy is mine. You can't cross the bloodline. I dare you can't. This blood redeemed me. A ransom has been found on my behalf. Therefore, I've been pulled out of the pit according to the scriptures. I can't be in the pit of sickness. You need to really fight like you mean it. Who satisfied my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles? When I get to this verse 5, I go, I go everywhere. I'm thanking God that, Lord, you renew my strength you renew my heart, you renew my eye, you renew my every, you re- everything. The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I fear? You renew, I say your word is true. You renew me, you renew my strength. I'm everything, people. Why? He says so. He satisfied my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. So if my youth is being renewed by God, I claim all everything. We, we look, we can't limit God by our limited thinking. We, can need to, we, need to be, we need to go into the space God gave us and take everything Jesus died for. This world is once we come. It's once we come. So we have found the word, Isaiah 53, 4 to 5. Psalm 103, 1 to 5. You meditate on it day and night. And not if you are meditating, you start calling prayer group here, pray for me. That is just wasting your time. Just wasting your time. It's either you focus on the word or you stop. 
And when I'm meditating, you pray and say, Lord, open my eyes. I need this word to enter. It has to go in my spirit. It has to go into me. Because when it goes in, that's when it bears fruit. It has to, Lord. And you seek, you find. You pray, God answers. You start experiencing this thing. Nobody, man, nobody can stop you again. Because it's like, oh, it works for me? Wow. Nobody can stop you anymore. Once you tested that the Lord is good and find it gracious, nobody can stop you anymore. And your service of God, boom, because God, Jesus becomes real to you by what he's doing. Not pastor pray for me. No, no. But what your relationship with him, you find that it's real. It's real. It's, not, it's no more a story. It's real. The word is working for me. Nobody can stop you. Nobody. Your excitement comes on. You are, you are, you are charged up. And you win another battle. Ooh, you win another battle. Whoa. You win another battle. Man, you are, you are, if they say we need ushers, you sign up. If we say we're cleaning the church, you are not going. You step back. Because it's real to you. It's real to you. It's no more story. Your faith comes alive. Something is driving you. You've tested the Lord. He's good. And if you are teaching his word, you will listen because he has worked for you before. He has worked. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege we have to have had your word. We trust you with it. For truly, except you open our eyes, we can't see. We can't understand. We trust you because it is given to us to know the things of the kingdom. That you open our eyes of understanding. So we can see what you want us to see. Understand what you want us to understand. So that this word will bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.